Hey y'all, welcome back to Love, Sweat and Tears, Ingredients for Transformative Campus Leadership. This episode is a big one, buckle up. I'm talking to Chris Jones today. Um, He is, oh, I just learned so much from him. This was such a great episode. I can't wait for you to dive in. Um, Chris Jones started his career as an army ranger and then kind of discovered there his love for teaching and leading. And that took him into the classroom, eventually into AP and principal positions. Um, And now he works with the Virginia affiliate of ASCD equipping educators and leaders with the tools and resources they need to get the job done. Um, He has some fantastic ideas. I can't wait for you to dive in. So without further ado, y'all please enjoy Chris Jones. Chris Jones, it's great to have you here with me. I'm so excited. I'm excited to get to know more about ASCD. I had never heard of that despite being raised by educators and swimming in that soup for a long time and then being here at RL. So I'm really excited to, to get introduced to what that does and what you can do for campus leaders. Um, first I want you to just tell me a little bit about yourself, like what you were like as a kid in school, um, and then how you've kind of found yourself where you are today. Oh, wow. Beth, uh, you're asking (laughs) me to take it back a long, long way. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love to hear what people's experience was like as a student, because that informs the way that you interact with educators and campus leaders. Yeah. I I mean, I, you're, you're spot on and, and, um, just such a great, um, connection to, to really what you're talking about. I'll say that in Virginia, it's super windy today too. It's, it's, I mean, we're recording this February 16th and it's 75 degrees today. Uh, I had to take out the short sleeves. I mean, it's what is going (laughs) on. Uh, but, but anyways, um, just first of all, it's it's a great honor. So thank you so much for for reaching out and saying, hey, let's let's see what we can record together. So I I, I appreciate it and thank you so much. Of course. Uh, for for me, a, as a student, um, I I would consider myself like I had I had pretty good intelligence. So there were some things that came easy to me, but I was also reluctant to do things that um, I didn't want to do, but was being told to do. I. I won't say that I was a defiant child because I was well-behaved, uh, but I, I didn't like to to read books that I was assigned to read. Um, I preferred to pick read the books that I wanted to read. And I, at the time, mm-hmm. I liked to read about sports. So if, if I was allowed to choose what to read, um, I would read for hours. Uh, you know, I'd get all the free pizza because, you know, you, you read a certain amount of hours <laughs> yeah. and you get pizza. Like right. I was racking up the Pizza yeah. Hut pizza hours. So, yeah. um I had strengths in math and relatively in science until science started getting weird and, and doing other things that weren't math related. But when it came back, you know, to physics, so, so mm-hmm. math and physics were um, where, where I felt strong and I, I really didn't mm-hmm. have, I really didn't have direction or purpose um, ever. So I, I didn't know what I was going to do after I graduated. I really didn't have plans. Um you know, I ultimately ended up wanting to go to school to be an electrical engineer because that's what my uncle did. I just thought, well, he's, he's good at math and science. And so am I, I'll just, I'll follow in his footsteps. Um, I I got to old dominion university and I quit after three semesters because that is not what I wanted to do. Um, (laughs) I, I, I would say that, that, um, the work ethic needed to match the intelligence required to, to do that. I didn't have at 18, 19 years old. Um, 
So that was kind of the academic path. I was fairly disengaged mm -hmm. in school. I was very much interested in other things other than academics. Um, I did have mm -hmm. a friend group. Um, I did like to party. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I probably would have dropped out of, of high school, mm. um, if it weren't for music. Um, I, I found that I had oh. kind of a music talent. Um, uh, the first time I picked up a set of drumsticks to play on a drum set, I was really good. And I had no idea how I knew what to do. Um, wow. and, and so I hooked up with, um, with, with the music department and, and marching band my junior year. So, the only reason I really went to school during my 11th and 12th grade years of, of high school was because I knew I got to go to music class every day. Um, wow. and, and so who knows, uh, what would have happened if, if I didn't find music in, in terms of my high school, um, a career. So I, you know, there wasn't much that engaged me, um, in, in school, there was no opportunity for me to develop a sense of purpose or to, to really, um, and, and, and being a teenager and saying the word plan is kind of, kind of oxymoronic, but sure. at least having <laughs> the opportunity to say, well, you know, have you thought through what your purpose is so that you might find some things that you might want to do, what's, what your interests are. Mm -hmm. And so not having those really left me flailing. Um, and my, I quit after three semesters, number one, because I knew I didn't want to be an electrical engineer major and I didn't know what else to do. And number two, um, <laughs> I, 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 I went to the movies. This was the summer um, of uh, probably 97 and a movie called Con Air with Nicolas Cage came out. And yeah. in the movie, he, his, his character was an airborne ranger and he was a badass. And when the movie ended, I said, and she was my girlfriend at the time, and, and she's my wife, Suzanne, now. She was my girlfriend at the time. We oh, went to see the movie together. Yeah. And I said, that's what I want to do. And the next, the <laughs> very next morning, I went to the Army recruiter, and I walked in. I said, I want to be an Airborne wow. Ranger. And yes, wow. yes. And and I, I, I tell you what, I, I don't, it's crazy how things end up, but Besides, um, besides marrying my wife, joining the army was the absolute best decision that I could have made because it did all the things that I was missing in terms of purpose, direction, discipline, um, you know, um, just uh, growing up, um, yeah. just, uh, it instilled all of those things, you know, belonging to and being responsible for somebody other than myself uh, was something that I needed a huge shakeup. Um, and, and so obviously we'll, hopefully we'll get into the rest of the story, but the rest of the story ultimately lands me to, to where I am sitting on a call with you, Beth, recording a podcast about, <laughs> about, about leadership, about learning and, 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 and all of those things. So, um, to, to save us from spending the entire hour and a half telling the full story, I'll, I'll stop right there and see if you've got anything that you want to hit me with now. <laughs> Sure. So, so you're, you're in the army that ends at some point. How did you get into the classroom onto a campus? Yeah. So I, I was super lucky. Um, you know, 
you're taken care of as an airborne ranger in in the special ops community. Mm. Like I was stationed in Fort Benning. In so you went oh, all yeah. the way into. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. wow. <laughs> um, uh, well, th- it, there's an interesting story about getting. I mean, how many people join the army wanting to do that and then yeah. don't get there? Like it's, that that says yeah, something. It's, yeah, it's a huge. Um, it, th- yes, yes, to that point. Um, I I was very fortunate and I worked for some really tremendous leaders who, um, who provided me opportunities to lead. And so as I, you know, came through eventually as team leader and then working with a squad, my platoon sergeant at the time, he pulled me over to, um, to the regimental side to do, um, things like strategic planning and and operational planning. And, Mm. and lo and behold, later on, and what is a different career, those would be very yeah. important skills that I'd have to tap into. But uh, when I got back from um, one tour in Afghanistan, when I returned, um, I had the opportunity to serve as an instructor for what was a leadership course. So we had a course that was three weeks in, in length. It was taught 11 times throughout the year, and I was an instructor for it. And mm. like, I found my genius. I found my purpose. I found my passion. Like I was, I was naturally good at teaching. I was naturally good at instruction and I loved it. Um, I loved everything about it. Um, Suzanne and I agreed that we wouldn't have children as long as I was in the military. Cause I couldn't, there's no way I mm. wanted to be an airborne ranger and a dad at the same time, or at least sure. the dad that I wanted to be. And so, yeah. um, that's when it clicked for me. Like I, I have an out, I, I can go back to school. I can get a degree to learn how to be a high school math teacher. I love math and I love this thing called teaching. So let's put those two things together. So I, I separated from the military after six years, uh, went back to school, got my, um, and Columbus state university in Georgia, got a secondary ed math degree, moved back to Virginia, uh, to begin a, a, a teaching mm. career that, um, is, is still, um, is still being written. So how long were you a teacher before you stepped into a more administrative? So classroom teacher, four years. Uh, so I was a high school okay. math teacher for four years. I was again put in in a position where just great leaders um, gave me opportunities and, and tapped me on the shoulder or kind of guided me in directions. Uh, so I, I had a great principal. Um, and then at the same exact time, um, I, I had some some folks who were, who were cheerleaders uh, who who, you know, Mm. hey, um, coming to observe, or uh, I I had the opportunity to be in a couple of different videos about teaching and learning. Uh, But I had this Mm. opportunity where the division was starting a department, and it was going to be called the Center for Teacher Leadership. And it was uh, professional development for teachers by teachers. And the the idea is pull 10 teachers out of the classroom, form them in the center and let them build professional development for teachers in the division. And um, there were three high schools. Was this on your campus or in your district? This is the the big, the the district. It's uh, in Virginia Beach. And so uh, I think at the time we had right around 75,000 students. I I know that's not big by by Texas standards because y'all have crazy big districts. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) is big by Texas standards. It's okay. (laughs) Um, So I, you know, I, I was one of those 10 teachers and that was just a tremendous opportunity. It was really it was really campus leadership without the, without the, mm. like the, the, 
the administrivia. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, so okay. it was yeah. all instructional sure. leadership. Yeah. It was all working with teachers. Okay. It was all working with uh, professional learning communities wow. and collaboration and building people's capacity to to do the work. And oh my gosh, I got to do that for two years. And that was an amazing experience that really propelled me into the, the campus leadership role. So coming out of yeah. that, I got to serve... Um, I did one year as an assistant principal in an elementary school. And for a person that's like high school background, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I basically went to school like I was the father of 550 kids and, and it yeah. worked. Uh, they just big yeah. dad on campus. So, um, so that was, but it was, it was a, it was a great opportunity um, that I just, I had to take uh, that the, mm. the commute was just, it was killer. Um, so one year was enough. Mm. I had to tap out with that com- com- um, commute, sure. but I, I was able to to land a position uh, back in Virginia Beach at a high school, and and then four years as an assistant principal with two fantastic leaders um, and some great mm. teachers that I got to work with um, before mm. I became a campus leader in another school division um, in Central Virginia. Okay. Wow. I haven't ever heard of this kind of training program thing before. It's so fascinating to me. And um, I'd love to know a little bit like what it was like walking into campus and going from two years of kind of theory into the practical, I'm on a campus with tiny little kids. What what was that like? I think that's a great, I mean, so because I got to spend two years really honing my craft around instructional leadership mm-hmm. where I could flex what I would consider the skills and the the skill set and the strengths that I came with was when I was in classrooms, mm-hmm. observing teachers, working mm-hmm. on feedback in data teams in grade level teams, like that's supposed to yeah. be half, half the work. And it was the other half that it was just, it was crash course leadership. And so Um, you know, things like discipline or in an elementary school when it's the principal and the assistant principal and you're in charge of all Mm -hmm. of it, you know, the testing side Mm -hmm. of it, the special education side of it, um, running the building, like making sure that the uh, custodians are doing their job and the, and the building Uh is functioning. Like all of that was just this super steep learning curve that quite Mm -hmm. frankly, never stopped. Even, even when I left my role as a, as a principal and into my role now as executive director, um, so many different things to learn. Those were things that I, I, I feel like I mastered instructional leadership mm. because there are some very clear tenets sure. of, of high quality instruction. Uh, but when it mm. comes to uh, kids and when it comes to, you know, mm. buildings and when it comes to mm. operations, I mean, and the list can go on, you can never stop learning because things always are uh, changing. Um, especially when it comes to like our kids and especially over the past three years, the rapidity of the change, the velocity, the acceleration of change for the the world around our schools and particular our kids and how they're navigating that. Um, there's a lot to learn there. So, so that was, that's the side that is, um, I don't want to call it like a, um, I don't want to call it a treadmill. But it's like you're mm-hmm. running and you're not really going anywhere. But I mean, you're making a difference. Mm-hmm. But there's just it just yeah. keeps coming at you. So you you, you have to keep, yeah you have to keep learning and and, and growing and, and adapting. Yeah, that was a question that I had for you. Or what kind of changes have you witnessed in your career and education 
And then, you know, what, what makes you hopeful? Like, as you see these changes coming, do you feel just burdened by them? Do you, do, is there a sense of like hope for the future? What, what do you feel like have been some big changes? We, we talk a lot about what the pandemic did for teachers and education. What are some things that come to mind specifically? Yeah, that's a, a great question. First of all, I'm super hopeful about the future. I'm super optimistic. Good. You um, should be, our, yes. our, you know, our kids are, are amazing and our kids are resilient All, for the past three years. We, we always like the kids are going to be fine. It's the adults who are struggling with this. I think some of it is, some of it's now catching up a little bit when we talk about like our, our, our children's, uh, their, their mental health and their social stability, um, and, and their, their place in the, in the world and, and really finding out their cultural identities. So there, there's a little bit that has, uh, has caught up with that. I think, I think what the pandemic did was for a moment, um, because it has not lasted. Um, and and I, I know we can get on the traje- the trajectory, but for the moment, I think we suspended the things that were obviously trivial, that were the bulk of what we thought school was supposed to be about. You know what I mean? Like, academics, 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 test scores, get them ready for college. And now it's like this whole human side, like, are, are they okay? Can't, do they eat? You know, can, are like the basic necessities, you know, the popular phrase became Maslow's before blooms. And it took a pandemic for us to realize that our children are humans first, students second. Uh, but that really helped us understand there was another like huge shift that I think I, I'd love to pick up the conversation because the way that we thought about grades completely changed in terms of things like late work or missing assignments, like the shift to the shift to, Hey, can, can you figure out whether a kid knows that in one assignment, as opposed to the six zeros that the kid now has in, 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 in the grade book. And so as we shifted those things, um, that was a, a moment shift. Uh, uh, most of these things are the moment because we have reverted to some pre-pandemic um, behaviors. And I think once we once we get on stable foot we'll, footing, I do think we'll be able to hit that trajectory again. Um, an, another thing that shifted huge that wasn't, it was always like one of those things, but it, it wasn't an important focus was that family and community engagement part. Like we were all in this together type thing where, where parents had to take on the role of not just caregiver, but also like secondary education provider. So then it was all of a sudden like locking arms, like, okay, we've got to help this, this child read. What can I do while you're doing what you're doing? Um, And, and this, this communication two way back and forth with, with the parents and, and, and with the families. So I think that was a huge shift. I think really taking a look at like our our content area and our curriculum in general, like asking the questions, what what can we cut back? What can we cut out? Uh, what what can we consolidate? And then what's that we need to create? And so, you know, those aren't four questions that I made up. There were four questions um, from it's actually um, Heidi Hayes Jacobs, but but. It, it gave us the opportunity to say like, look, we've known for a long time that our content is a mild wide and an inch deep. Let's go ahead and, and flip that and, and let's get a very narrow set of standards and objectives and just go deep with them. And so 
you know, I, I think that's something that I, I think for a moment was a shift that I think right now where everyone's screaming learning loss and, and NAEP score drops the highest in, that we've ever had and et cetera, et cetera. Like now we're going back to this. Let's, let's get it all in there and get it in there fast and catch all the kids up all at the same time. So, so I, I think those are, those are just a couple of the shifts that I see. And I'm not even talking about ed tech. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, in, I'm not even getting into ed tech, um, it, which was a whole nother, um, a whole nother ball of wax. But I think any chance that I get that where somebody asks me a question about the pandemic, it was, um, I think inspiring is the word that I'm looking for to see teachers and schools completely over one summer transform brick and mortar learning environments into virtual environments. And none of us knew what we were doing. We did the best we could and we burnt out on it because we never ever took the break. But to see to see human beings rally and take on the challenge and completely transform, um, I, I I I cannot underscore just how monumental that was and um, just an amazing thing to do to go to straight virtual when none of us had ever experienced anything like that. Yeah, that was, yeah. And I think that shows like how, how we can adapt and grow and change. And uh, I think sometimes we look at the monolith of education and how it's always been these certain things and feels like overwhelming. Like there's no way we can just change it. Like we're stuck with what we have. And so we just have to make the best of it. And that's such a great example of like, no, we actually can um, if we have the right support and systems in place. And rather than responding to crisis, kind of crafting that um, intentionally could really change things. I mean, I feel like there's a desire for that. We just don't have that coming together. Like that's the piece that we're missing is everyone coming together. And um, there was, you know, some horrible things about the pandemic, but that sense of unity really drove us for a while um, until it didn't. Yeah. That's a whole other can of worms, though. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk campus leadership skills. So you've talked a lot about your your experience in leadership in the army and how that translated to the classroom, and then more into campus leadership. And now you're with ASCD. And um, so I, you gave me this great analogy with eggs in an omelet versus eggs in a in an egg carton. Um, so talk to me how you use that when we're talking leadership skills. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think what we try to do is is identify, um, like, I don't want to say narrow, but it like, here's skill one, here's skill two. And this is why I was thinking mm -hmm. about the egg crate. But like, if, if, if there were 12 skills that that school leaders and 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 and, and any leader I, I will say this mm -hmm. needed to have there mm -hmm. th what what is important is that is that those things kind of coalesce to form this thing called mm -hmm. leadership it's not like mm -hmm. communication here i am going to take off my communication mm -hmm. hat and i'm going to build a shared vision i'm going to take off my build a shared yeah. vision and i'm going to get into data analysis and strategic planning mm -hmm. and you know, so yeah, it, it's not like that. And so when when we had kind of our, our conversation, when we talked about the egg, the egg carton or the egg crate versus the egg omelet is that those dozen eggs, 
it's probably not appropriate to say you break the eggs, but I mean, you got to break eggs and make an omelet, but they, they come sure. together to make the omelet. And yeah. yes, you're going to add some peppers and some bacon and some cheese and, and, and spinach and all that. But it is a very different concept that your leadership is a culmination of the, the, the skills that are mm-hmm. individually identifiable. Like if you look at um, a, a school leader's uh, evaluation, there are going to be standards, but guess what? Those standards mm-hmm. overlap and, and they build upon one another. So as, as, a, as a school leader, as a campus leader, the better you are at, at the, the development of the omelet as a result mm-hmm. of the eggs that feed into that omelet, um, the, the better off you'll be because it's not like you're just taking hats on and off and you're helping, you're helping an entire community, um, mm-hmm. be able to see very clearly how the, how the pieces fit together. Did I, did I explain that right? I think so. Yeah. And, and we're, we teach leadership skills yes. in isolation. This is how you budget. This is how you, you know, instructional coach your teachers. This is how you handle, but you know, sped, like it's all separate. And I'll hear administrators kind of like, oh, you know, I really, I, I really struggle with engaging my community. I really struggle with branding the school. I really struggle with these things. Um, and so shifting, I think that we need to make that shift of shifting from here are all the different leadership skills and they're all separate. And I just focus on one at a time, um, thinking of them all together and how they impact each other. It feels kind of overwhelming. Like how, <laughs> like, how do, how do we do that? And, um, I'd love to, to spend some time talking about specific leadership skills. Like, okay, you know, if, if a principal feels like they need to improve their leadership skills, which ones are the ones that are going to bi-directionally influence each other the most and how can they develop them together? How did you do that? Was it just having great leaders? What, what, our campus leaders that don't have those mentors, how do they find that? How do they seek that out? Yeah, that's um, that. And if if we all if we had the the answer to that question, we can write a book, make a million bucks, and <laughs> and, 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 and and go take the show on the road. Mm. I I think so. I will say this: um, many many leaders who get to the position of of campus leader who who become a, a principal mm-hmm. of a school have inevitably encountered leaders that they're taking away from. Um, and, and so it might be direct uh, communication through experience and, and watching. It might be through direct mentorship. Um, I, so I refer to them as layers. And so each thing that, that, that I do, whether it's an experience that I get, an article I read, a book that I read, a course that I take, a degree that I, that I achieve, all become layers. And then the layers solidify to how, how, you, how you operate in, in terms of leadership based on your, your values and, and kind of your, your, mm. your purpose. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I think number one is, is you, you, you have to be able to see it, experience it, read about it, whatever, and try it out. But I, I think mm. if, if we were to distill a couple of things and I, and I gave this a little bit of thought, um, based on another conversation that I was having and, and I like to mm-hmm. do things in threes. I, I like to count things and, okay. and sometimes it's three. Like if I were a, a new principal mm-hmm. and like there were three things that I had to nail, like I've got to get these two, sure. these yeah. three things right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would say number one is communication. Communication will be the most important thing for everything. It's, um, mm. it, it, you know, with your staff, with your students, with your yeah. families, with your community, yeah. open lines of communication that go two ways, transparent communication, clear communication, um, consistent communication. Like we have to nail yeah. communication. So many great things happen with poor communication mm. that it, it, it derails. And you can have something derailed, but with great communication makes it okay because everybody knows what's going on. All right, this isn't yeah. going the way we, this yeah. isn't going the way we wanted it to, but here's what I'm communicating to you. Okay, well, we're yeah. all on the same page. We all know what's going on. It's a, yeah. it's a cluster, but at least we know what's going yeah. on. Like there's a huge difference right. there. Um, so yeah. I'd, I'd say nailing communication. Um, there's nothing more... Um, empowering than like, in, I think information is a very powerful, um, uh, collateral entity. I don't know what I'm trying to think of there, but mm -hmm. when you share that information through communication, that is empowering mm -hmm. to your people. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. the other thing that you, that, that, that a campus leader would need to nail is the, um, like the operations, like the daily operations, things like, um, Things like arrival, like when, mm. like the traffic pattern for parent drop off. Like when I'm talking about like mm. the details of the day, every single day from, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. so from 7.30 to 2.30 or whatever time your school operates, mm -hmm. those operations mm -hmm. are, are clear and structured and run in a way that is as smooth as possible. Like if, mm -hmm. if your people notice your operations, then your operations mm -hmm. are ineffective. It's when no one notices that things are going on is when you've reached the the impact because it's not the thing yeah. that people notice and see and think about because those things will get in the right. way. Like the bells ringing at the wrong time. Like everyone's expecting the bell yeah. to ring at 1055 and it rings at 1052. Oh, right. forget about it. Yeah. It's, it's lights right. out. Um, yeah. Like yeah. making sure that people have their resource, like, like that kind of detail, like you've got to nail the operations mm -hmm. and and with the operations, the procedures, what do I do if, and then boom, just start listing yeah. all the ifs and making sure that everyone knows what to do in, in different, in different scenarios. So that would be too. And that's that we're not even talking about instruction here, right? Like, like communication, right. you got to nail <laughs> yeah. it. And, 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 the, yeah. and the, the flow from seven 30 to two 30 has yeah. got to be clear for everybody because nothing right. will, nothing will fill up your inbox worse then if, if you yeah. mess up the parent drop-off line, if buses are yeah. late to the to, to the whatever, if bells are ringing right. at the wrong time, if there's no toilet paper in the stalls, like those basic operate, yeah. like you got to nail those things. Yeah. And then I'd say the third thing is the and this is the omelet part is is building a shared vision. So taking a year to build out what a shared vision would be around high quality instruction what a shared vision would be around the culture that that your school desires what a shared vision would would be um, to make sure that every child is you know prepared for whatever's next for prepared for anything mm -hmm. um, and and that's the omelet part that's the part that uh, and mm -hmm. we can dig into that if you'd like but I, I think I think communication oh my gosh communication I mean th just think about your own experience like when when yeah. when things have gone, well or not well, that that is insignificant compared to the mm -hmm. quality of communication that you received within right. it. Right. 
Yeah. Especially as a parent with kids at a public school, you know, if some, like some crazy is happening all of the time, but if I know about it, then I feel, I feel like I can trust yeah. my campus admin because they're going to be honest. They're going to be upfront. I'm going to know things like that, that, and, and especially in an era where we're having to market our schools against each other. I don't know if it's the same in Virginia, but here in Texas, parents are consistently choosing what schools their kids go to. And that that's great. I'm, I love some parent choice, but that's put the burden on the principals to have to market their schools and tell parents why their kids should come to their school. And it's this whole other hat that we're having to wear. And if they have good communication, then they're trusted by their parents. And then we feel confident sending our kids yeah. there. I'd rather have a principal I trust um, than one that's, you know, really almost anything else. Well, and I'm glad you brought up trust because, and that's the thing that I thought about when, when I thought about those two things, like communication and operations, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, Stephen Covey, w one of his sons wrote the speed of trust, not, mm -hmm. not, not, mm -hmm. not the, uh, not okay. the dad, okay. Um, okay. wrote okay. the speed of trust. And, and in the book, he says, the quickest way to earn trust is through competence and the quickest way to lose it is through character. And so, mm. and so people will trust you and you just said it. If, if the line of communication yeah. is open, that establishes a little bit of trust. But at the same time, if your operations are squared away, people will trust you because they see you as competent. Okay. Well, the campus leader can, mm. can rally his people to set up a squared away thing where I know exactly where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do. It runs smoothly. I'm not stuck two two hours in the in the pickup mm -hmm. line trying to, you know, wh whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that competence feeds into the trust, the transparency, the honesty, and 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 the mm -hmm. part of that is the integrity, like doing the things that you mm -hmm. say you're going to do. All of those things coalesce to build trust, and the trust can take you can take you very very far, um, especially mm -hmm. as a campus leader. But it's also a, a self marketing tool that doesn't fit under the marketing bucket. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. because your social media presence will not market your school greater than how your parents talk about you and your school. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to the, the three kind of buckets that you were talking about. Um, you know, how, Communication. Great. Let's communicate effectively. How? Like, what are some ways that you know you're communicating effectively and how do we improve effective communication? Yeah, I think you have to have. So the it, the most important part of communication is listening. <laughs> so so I, I think mm. being able to take time as a new campus leader to really get to know your people and ask some very pointed questions. What are we doing well that we need to keep yeah. doing? What are we doing that's not so good that we need to stop doing? And what's out there that you would like to see us start doing? I call it the keep, stop, start. So if you just ask those yeah. three questions of everyone you come into contact, all of your teachers, all of your staff members, all of your students, your student groups, all of your parents, it, it just ask that question and gather that data. That's, that's mm. helping to formulate that third bucket of building a shared vision. But it, yeah. within those conversations, number one, you're showing that you're listening, especially when, when action mm -hmm. reflects those conversations. There's no greater build, build of that. Um, but yeah. through that listening, there will be a clear pathway of what communication has been and what they'd like to see it to be. And so having a very clear um, structure for that conversation, uh, I'm sorry, for that communication is extremely important. Like a weekly newsletter for your staff that gives them a week in advance 
at a glance. So they know what to expect. And so one thing that I used to share with my team is that, um, is, is that if, if we are one day behind, that's a week behind for teachers. Like we can't wake up in the morning and say, oh my gosh, we did not communicate this. We need teachers to do X. We're done. We're done because teachers have way too much on their plates to respond to our ineptitudes. So So having that, um, the, 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 for, for me, the structure of the staff newsletter would go out on the Thursday and contain all the information you need for the following week. And so if somebody needed to okay. communicate something to the staff and I, I did away with all staff emails, like that was one of my things, like no longer are we sending mm. all staff emails. Like if you get an all staff email, it will come from me and it will either be mm. the newsletter or it will be something that was too important that it couldn't wait for the newsletter. So okay. if you don't get it to me by the time that newsletter gets out, then you've got to find the individuals who you need to communicate it with. Just <laughs> yeah, I mean, because yeah. it, we, we need to think that far in advance. So so yeah. having a a clear and consistent and and I used um um oh gosh um s'more the the newsletter it's okay. just you know an online they give you an education discount it was great but anyways a s'more cool. newsletter went out once a week to the staff, eliminating the all staff emails because there's nothing worse for a teacher than an email getting filled up with stuff that really doesn't pertain right. to them. And then trying to yeah. sift through, is this for me or is this not? What is it telling me to do? I mm-hmm. think in that newsletter being very clear what's information and what is an action item. Um, and then to also mm-hmm. repeat information and let them know this is a repeat or this is a, a repost uh, from something else that you that you saw previously, but it's important. I don't want to want it to fall off uh, your radar. I think mm-hmm. having all of your meeting dates on the calendar prior to the start of the school year is a huge. That's not just a communication tool. That's a that's a huge planning tool. That way, folks know. All right, on these days we have staff meetings, and so I, I that's where I need to be. I can mark it on my calendar. Yeah. Right. Uh, same thing for families and communities. I started out doing one a month, but when the pandemic hit and it became like one a day, uh, <laughs> I eventually um, slowed it down to one a week. And so everyone, so Sunday at three o'clock and I picked Sunday at three o'clock because mm-hmm. most folks were done with church by that time. If it was, sure, a, if it yeah. was a good NFL game, I was, I was cutting in my, my phone call and my email where there was still yep. time in the fourth quarter. So, yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. So, <laughs> Having and it was the same type of thing, but it was sharing information, just keeping the line of communication mm-hmm. open with like letting them know when we were doing a, a fire drill or if something happened at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted the parents, for example, to hear this is another example to hear it from me before they hear it, they heard it from their, their child. So I would like mm-hmm. my job was to communicate out, and so I'd get up, boom. Hey, parents, just want you to know that um, the the fire alarm went off. We had to evacuate the building. Everyone's safe. It was, you know, a, a tripped whatever, blah, blah, blah. We're moving mm-hmm. back into the, the the school now to resume instructional activities. Like, boom, the parents mm-hmm. appreciate things like that. Hey, you know, yeah. bus 816 yeah. was in an accident. I, I just want you to know that no one's hurt. We've got them safe on camp. Yeah. Like just keeping that line of communication open. I think yeah. those are two things. Um, so that. I probably just listed a couple more than that. I think the the use of social media, um, I, I don't mm. think is is harnessed enough in schools and recognizing mm. where the people are on the platform. So like professionals are on Twitter, mm-hmm. the kids are on Instagram and TikTok, mm-hmm. and the adults are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Now, 
with each year that passes, less and less are on Facebook and more and more are on yeah. Instagram because our parents are yeah. getting younger. Isn't that, that's yeah. depressing, right? As we get older, our parents are getting younger. Like how, how's that? Hey, I'm a young parent. Don't, don't, I'm not depressing. No, you, you, I, I, I know. And my guess is you might be on Facebook and Instagram. And so, so if, yeah. if, if, if yeah. I'm a school and I've got a Twitter and Instagram and a Facebook and I'm constantly, you know, posting, I, I'm, if, mm -hmm. if I'm constantly posting, I'm giving people a reason to be there. And I used four tenants, yeah. like number, um, so the things that we used um, social media for were to, to inform, mm -hmm. to promote, to celebrate, and to inspire. And so every single Ooh. day, there was at least one of these four things going out 365 okay. days a year, even on holidays. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was a crucial I also ran um, once a month, I would do a Facebook live at seven in the morning and seven in the evening uh, for the community. Mm. So I would just get on Facebook live. Sometimes I'd have an update wow. to share information. Most of the times sure. I just got on there for like a town hall. Like, what are your questions? Drop them in the yeah. chat. What, what can I do? And I, they almost all of them lasted an hour because great interaction. Wow. And, and then I'd also archive it. So it would be on our Facebook feed. Um, and, yeah. and so folks who couldn't be live with me could still go back and, and see what was asked, what, and what was said. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of some other things, but I think, I think that, that, that you're giving us some great ones. That, yeah. that consistency with, with a structured format that folks can, can, mm -hmm. can, can, um, uh, I, I want to say predict, like if, if you have to, mm -hmm. if you change your format of communication, then folks are trying to navigate that as opposed to navigating the content. Like I want you to focus on the content. Yeah. So the structure is going to look the same exact every time. So you know exactly what to expect, you know, where these things are going to be located. So um, hopefully those are a couple of, of, of tactics that, that I use that. And I would consider that um, communication was one of, one of the, one of the things that I was able to improve um, over time. Yeah. And I'm still working on it. My communication is not, sure. not perfect. And if you have right. perfect communication, I don't, I don't know who you are. Uh, that doesn't exist. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, ho hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, that that was fantastic. Um, and I, I want to talk some while we have time about the building a shared vision and the campus culture and the the I like I like the way that you say building a shared vision because that goes it's within the campus and without like it's it's all it's the community and the the teachers and the staff it's it encompasses everything. Um, so how, how does a new campus leader do that? Or I'm thinking, especially of those campus leaders that come into a new school that maybe had horrible administration in the past or that are struggling, that has a, the, the vision is broken and the morale is low. How do we do that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the million dollar question too. So that's $2 million we're about to earn, right? If we, if we can figure <laughs> this out, then, then here we go. No, I, I, okay. What are some things we can do to make that better. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so. Uh, so I, I gave you one off the jump and that's really like one-on-one -on -one interviews and you don't need more than 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you ask to keep stopping the start and you can do that through, mm -hmm. through survey as well. And so one-on-one -on -one interviews and take notes. Mm. Um, that way you can come mm. back to those things. So one-on-one -on -one interviews, yeah. like focus groups, like for, for example, as you're doing your one-on-one -on -one interviews with with the other administrators, mm -hmm. with the key staff, like mm -hmm. your office manager, who's really the one who runs the school. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to make sure like your custodian who knows everything that's going on, 
um, yeah. your your teachers and and even your, your the the union rep that that represents um, your school and 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 the other leaders like the department chairs or the grade level mm-hmm. chairs. You mm-hmm. want to get those one on ones, and then and then through the rest of the staff. At the same time, you can pull student groups in, like your your student council and, and your student government association executive mm-hmm. council. Uh, you could bring in certain clubs. You can bring in the the captains from the sports teams and just put them around mm-hmm. a table and ask them the same exact three questions. Keep, stop, and start, yeah. and take notes so you can get that. Bringing parents not just to school to have like open forum and functions. I, I went to um, I think it was eight or nine, like into the community whether it was the like mm-hmm. the learning cottage uh, um, at the trailer park, whether it was mm-hmm. like the, the pool house at, at the community association pool. Like I went, mm-hmm. so go to the people and guess what? Mm-hmm. Ask the same exact, they'll look at you like, Oh, what it like? They're expecting you to share something like, no, sure. I, I'm here. Here's yeah. the things that I believe, but I, I think how we're yeah. going to build this together. These are the things that I need to know. And so I think mm-hmm. that and then doing that exact those exact same questions out through surveys. So folks who you might not be at because mm-hmm. you might not be able to interview them all, um, sure, be able to right. get that through survey and then and then spend a year really either going to different schools um, that, mm-hmm. you know, OK, these are schools that are doing some really cool things, whether that's with instruction or culture mm-hmm. or innovation, like what's in your head. And what you're hearing in those interviews and focus groups and survey data, okay, this is what the people want. Let's go show them what it looks like. Let me take a group of teachers over here or let me take yeah. another group of teachers to this school over here. Um, so doing um, site visits is what what we call them. Sharing resources like articles or videos or even, oh, doing um, or, or, or even doing book studies with, with some leadership mm-hmm. teams. So infusing the things that you believe about the the school that you want to create that is also overlapping with what the people are telling you and and once you find that sweet spot you 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 hit them with all of those things the resources the articles the videos the books the site visits um going to conference like sending your people to conferences and professional development workshops etc cetera, etc cetera. you're just building their capacity while you're also building out this shared vision and then coming back to it and really mapping it out so that it can be a clear mm-hmm. and coherent North star so that everything you yeah. do, I, I like to think of Velcro. It becomes one half of the Velcro. Like mm-hmm. if, if it's something that we want to do that sticks, we're going to do it. If it just bounces off because it's not in line with our shared vision, then it's, we're, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so building that out and doing it in a way that is, that is co-constructing. And I think that's the important thing is that mm. a shared vision is co-constructed. It's not um, it's not done through manipulation. You know what I mean? Like I've got, I know what mm-hmm. we're gonna do. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put mm-hmm. you in a position where you can say the things or do the things that I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not leadership. Um, yeah. and, and so I think as you build that out, you also have to have a very clear idea of what it's going to take to make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. not just strategically, but also the courage because every, every school that you can imagine in your head is going to take a whole mm-hmm. lot of, no matter where that school is, it's going to take a yeah. lot of blood, sweat, and tears to make it happen. And and if you are not ready for that, and if you don't prepare your people for that, then you might not ever see that vision, um, realized. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so 
I'm going to stop there. Cause I think that's really what, like, how do you actually build out a shared vision? Hopefully I gave kind of like step one, step two, step three, yeah, um, to sure. do that. But then, um, I, I think, um, uh, we could just talk about it now. I think what, what else is important is, is how, is how a campus leader structures their leadership and governance. Now that's not something that is often mm-hmm. talked about. It's not in like master's level courses. Uh, it's not like mm-hmm. you have to think about your, your hierarchy. You know what I mean? Like when somebody yeah. thinks about a leadership structure, you typically think about, all right, there's a yeah. person at the top and they've, they've got some underlings mm-hmm. and then the otherlings have underlings. Mm-hmm. And then there's just kind of this, mm-hmm. yep. this, this yep. tiered, but mm-hmm. I think in, in a, in a, in a school that is moving effectively through a shared leadership, like a shared vision, shared leadership, co-construct, like all this, like shared leadership, how you structure is a direct reflection of that vision. And so the school you want to create, there has to be a leadership structure that aligns to that. And what I mean by that is, yes, you have a core leadership team, your administrative team, um, your instructional leadership team, but based on what that shared vision that you're co-constructing is, there have to be teams and committees that are focused on those things. And so somebody who's dedicated Mm. to think about innovation, somebody who's dedicated to think about our school culture, somebody who's dedicated to thinking about how we're going to celebrate and appreciate somebody who's dedicated to thinking about, Mm. um, um, our, our operations. Uh, so I, and I could go on and on, but I, I think something that is often overlooked, uh, that deserves astute attention is how you structure leadership and governance, because how that is structured will determine how, how you lead and, and where things will go. Because if it's important, then you need to have somebody with eyes on. And if you don't have somebody designated with eyes on, then it's never going to be seen. Mm-hmm. What are tools that you have used to identify those people, those leaders that are helping you? I think, I think part of it is number one, um, those things come out in those one-on-one interviews. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, yes, yeah. you're asking the keep, stop, start, but you're also having a conversation because you're a human being. Like, right. What are you into? What are, yeah. what are your passions? Tell me about your life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why it's important to take notes because then you're starting to formulate your teams based on, Hey, we had a conversation. Mm-hmm. You said you were interested in learning more about personalized learning. Well, we're going to form a small group who's going to really start looking into this. We're going to go to this school over here. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this book study. I, I'd love for you to help me co-facilitate and co-lead that team. Boom. All yeah. of a sudden, because the person's yeah. the one who said, this is, this is what I'm interested right. in. This is what I want to yeah. do. Yeah. So I think there's that. I think there's also a need to have open calls so that everyone has the, well, I, if I would have known that that's what was going to happen, I would have said that in my one-on-one interview. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you get the open yeah, call, hey, right, we're sure. forming a principal's advisory council who's going to be responsible for um, really talking about our the functionality of our school. I'm looking for two representatives from each grade level. If you're interested, please fill out this form. And then bam, the next thing you know, the people who wanted to be a part of it are, are a part of that. And you might also have to, based on your um, how, how you get to meet folks and, and interact and based on some other recommendations, you're, you're going to pull some folks along with you too. I think it's also at that same time, it's also important to build upon the existing leadership um, because you're, when, a, when a new school leader a, arrives, there's, there's something in place and you can't just yeah. completely dismantle that right. and keep going because right. there will, then there will be no shared yeah. vision. So you have yeah. to build yeah. upon like, who are the leaders in this school mm. designated and informal mm. and you tap into them. 
Nice. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, we have some a little bit of time left, and I want to hear more about ASCD, about specifically what you're doing and why you're excited about it, um, but some of the history, and too, and um, how ASCD has been working in Virginia, and um, what why someone should become a member, and what ASCD can do for leaders in education. Oh, I love, love this question. <laughs> Absolutely over the moon excited about about VASCD and our work to to support our membership and, and all educators throughout the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. So our, I mean, we, we consider ourselves the premier entity in Virginia for teaching and learning. And so all the okay. things that come with that curriculum, instruction, assessment, um, relationships with kids, um, personalization, deeper learning. I mean, I could go on, um, on and on about what kind of we're leaning into, but we really do it through three mm-hmm. buckets. One is our programs, the things that we uh, deliver on that help build the capacity through professional learning. Uh, One is through service, our way to give back to the profession. So we do awards. uh, We publish uh, free content, um, including a journal. We have a podcast channel. uh, We have a YouTube channel. channel. Um, We've created some micro-credential, I mean, I'm sorry, some modular-based courses and Part of our uh, programming is micro credentials, which is a whole like it's almost its mm-hmm. own bu- its own bucket. Uh, but it's also right yeah. now we we push we we carve that under programs, including our big conference. And then the third bucket, so programs, services, and our third bucket is through advocacy. So work with policy, work mm-hmm. with regulations, work with legislation, um, really looking to influence. Um, the external things that that put pressure on classrooms, we feel like the more that we can influence that, the the, the better we can divert it in productive um, ways that get towards that yeah. that goal of deeper learning and and a, a deeper sense of purpose for our kids in in their learning. Um, so there are a lot of things that we do within those three buckets that are um, extremely beneficial. But the one thing that I would say is you know important about becoming a member important about you know coming to our events and engaging in our content and 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 mm-hmm. is is the network because the ASCD mm-hmm. is we, we call ourselves your learning network and so it the connections that you create they become personal friendships just as much as they become you know mm-hmm. professional networks um, but mm-hmm. what we found is especially in 2023 is that almost all of us are after the same goal and almost all of us are facing mm-hmm. similar challenges and there's no reason for any one person or any one group of people to do it by themselves when we're all mm-hmm. flailing about trying to find our way uh so being able yeah. to connect learn from each other see what things are working and and share them from the mountaintops um and 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 just um yeah, and enjoy each other's friendship. So I, I think that's probably the shortest amount of time that I've ever explained what we do. So I, I, I hope that gives um, you and and our listeners a, a good understanding of, of for the Virginia side of it, and then ASDD mm-hmm. as the international organization. We call it the mothership. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. on on an international scale uh, is just is fantastic. So tell me, I, I'm interested about those networks. Like what, how do people network and build community within ASCD? So uh, there's a bunch of different ways. So um, when, okay. like, when you come to an event, um, a, mm-hmm. a program, 99 times out of a hundred, it is not going to be 
sit and get for a couple of hours where you never ever okay. interact with somebody nice. so there's <laughs> sure. there's collaborative yeah. time and, and, and built-in collaboration okay. in the things that we do with the programs uh we do structured luncheons mm-hmm. when we have them and so that there's there's ways mm-hmm. for you to meet new people because mm-hmm. we put a focus on the network there's always exchanging of contact mm-hmm. information uh, we have a pretty mm-hmm. decent following on on twitter um, and, and part of that we used to run and, and maybe I need to bring this back. I, I just, I can only do so much. Uh, we, we, we used to do live chats. Um, and that used to be a, a pretty popular way for folks to, to connect with one another. Um, we have different ways to share. So we do, um, what are called, uh, innovation forums where we, we set up okay. site visits where like, let's say that your school is doing something awesome and you want to showcase it. We'll put it up as a mm. as an innovation forum, and hey, the first thirty are going to be able to come in, and we're going to spend a day in your school, and we'll run that wow. and structure that and facilitate that. Yeah. The pandemic put a pause on that, and once we're ready to get back yeah. to it, I'll be excited. But we've yeah. we've replaced that with um, a spotlight series. So we do okay. it on our YouTube channel right now. We've got I think two teachers in there, so two classrooms. We've got two schools and a school division, but Mm-hmm. Um, where, and it's just me. So it's not like this huge film crew. Mm-hmm. We'll go in, we'll mm-hmm. do interviews. Yeah. Uh, we'll get, we'll film what it looks mm-hmm. like in the classroom, the things that they're talking about in their interviews. Mm-hmm. And then we'll put it together and package it as a, as a short documentary so that folks mm-hmm. can see some exemplars of what's going on throughout yeah. the Commonwealth and say, oh, wow, I really like what Western Branch Middle School is doing. I'm going to reach out to that yeah. school and see if I can connect with them. And so folks up in a situation where it's not just like network like oh let's find our common ground like no we're going to give you the common ground and then you can you can flock towards that there's you know one structure i learned from and i don't even remember where i learned it from it birds of a feather so like Mm -hmm. if you're if you're working Mm -hmm. on something or if you're interested in something you all Mm -hmm. come to one one spot yeah um Mm -hmm. and and work through that cool that sounds awesome um, are most of your members like administrators? Are they mostly teachers? Like who are the people that can benefit from ASC? Yeah. So we, we tout that we serve all roles, all levels and all areas of, of Virginia. Okay. And um, when you look at the bulk of our membership, now we've got, we have superintendents. Mm-hmm. Um, we have mm-hmm. some students, actually, we have some counselors. Uh, we have some higher ed um, you know, professors and, and folks who work in higher ed. The bulk, though, if you were to to spread it out, about half mm-hmm. is in a support role. So that's like essential support, like okay. supervisor, mm-hmm. curriculum specialist, mm-hmm. uh, coordinator, yeah. director mm-hmm. um, in that role or at the school-based level. So like instructional coach or reading specialist. So not mm-hmm. directly impacting kids in the classroom, but a support role for teachers. So about half in that role, about 25% at the school leader role. So principals, assistant principals, deans, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then 25% are our classroom teachers. So we've got almost 2000, um, about 500 are in that support role, about 250 are school leaders and about 250 teachers. I think where, where we're starting to lean more and more into teaching and learning and, and classroom, Mm -hmm. um, direct um support uh we are gaining like more and more teachers like one of the things that we do is uh, Mm. we offer every new teacher in the state we offer one free year of membership 
um, just to kind of get wow. them acquainted with BASC to get some resources yeah. in their way. It's not a marketing tool where we hope that, okay, did you like what you did? You're right. coming back. <laughs> it's not that. It's yeah, just that right. it is so tough to be a new teacher, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our ways to give back is to offer them up a free year of membership. Mm, that's so cool. If people are hearing this and they're interested, there's people outside of Virginia um, how can they find more information or attend an event or become a member? If you could just remember the initials, V-A-S-C-D, that's, that's, that's it, dot org. Yeah. That's our website. V-A-S-C-D yeah. is our handle okay. on Instagram and, um, and, and Facebook. And everything that you need is within there. Whether you're interested in becoming a member, you want to subscribe to our newsletter, uh, we mm-hmm. do policy updates. You can subscribe to that to get the latest on legislation mm-hmm. um, and, and and other things going around with um, with that. There's just so many. We Yes. So if you just go to VASED.org, the rest will take care of itself. Awesome. Um, before we, before we end our time together, I'd really like to just kind of ask the question. Um, we have campus leaders that listen to this. What would you like to tell them directly? Oh, that's a great, great question. I I would say Mm. the first thing I would say is thank you. Uh, thank you for choosing to serve and thank you for choosing to stay. Uh, when it is very, very tough, like there, there's never been a, a more difficult time and, and, and here you are. And, and sometimes it feels lonely, like you're on an island yeah. all there by yourself. Just know that there are thousands of you who feel like that. Uh, and if you can find a way to connect with others, do so. Keep your head up and keep one foot in front of the other. Do what's in your heart. Um, and you build that capacity of your people to help you do the work because it gets heavy, uh, when you try to carry it on your own. And I know it feels like you are sometimes. Um, so, so stay strong, take care of yourself, keep your head up one foot in front of the other. You've got this. I know it's tough, uh, Mm. but you've got this. Mm. Thanks so much, Chris. Um, thanks for everything for this chat, for building courses with responsive learning and getting this kind of integral information into the hands of people that might not be able to sit down and talk with you. Um, I, it was so fun getting to hear about your stories and thank you so much for all of those specific practical tools that you laid out. I love thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Did I tell you or did I tell you? I mean, what a fantastic conversation. I love, always love the blend of story and theory and the why we do what we do with the practical, implementable, step-by-step instruction to let you know how to do things. Um, It was such a great conversation, Chris. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, As always, you can find links to all of the resources that he mentioned in our show notes. Um, This whole production is made possible by Erwin Solbach, who also did the music that you're listening to right now. Our logo and design is from Alana Kanoi, and this whole production is a labor of love uh, from the folks at Responsive Learning. Hope y'all have a great rest of your day.